You can go with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Last week we began our series here in the book of James with the example of James as a, a servant. It says in the first few words, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I suggested last week, I encourage you with this, I challenge you with this, I challenge you again today, if we are Christ's, we too are servants. If you are Christ, you are a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is the proper attitude for all believers. And it's the proper attitude that we ought to seek to bring to our studies here in James together. I'll remind you that this letter which James wrote isn't about becoming believers. He doesn't write this letter to encourage people to become believers. He's actually writing to believers, challenging them to live like believers. It's a letter to believers about living out their faith. And when it comes to living as believers, I would suggest that attitude is everything, as in much of life. Attitude is everything. That's why we began with the humble example of James last week, which we see here in verse 1. The proper attitude of the believer is especially necessary when dealing with trials. You realize that? When dealing with trials, this Humble attitude of the believer is especially important, especially necessary. Do you see yourself as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you see yourself in God's word being spoken to here, that God is challenging you with his word to live like a believer? The proper attitude of the believer is especially necessary when dealing with trials because we can easily get this wrong. We can easily rebel against God in the midst of trials and difficulty and suffering. Let's face it, as we live our lives as believers and as we live out our faith, we will face trials, will we not? We will face trials. Jesus even warned his disciples, John 16, 33, in the world you will have tribulation, trials, suffering, because of your faith, because of your walk with Christ. So when facing trials, what should the attitude of the believer be? What should be our attitude? If we know we're going to be facing trials, what should our attitude be in the midst of trials? Let's look at what James writes. James chapter 1, and let me back up to verse 1. We were going to begin in verse 2 this morning, but let me finish verse 1 here and begin with verses 2 through 4 this morning. When James says at the end of verse 1, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. And then in verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. According to the greeting in verse 1, James is writing to the 12 tribes, right? You can see it here. But he says, what he says here is, is a pointer to the Jewish people as a whole. When he writes to the 12 tribes, he's indicating the the Jewish people as a whole. And, And of course, various tribes had come 
and gone, and these the 12 tribes had become scattered. Various trials and difficulties had come on them, and they had faced certain hardship, which had caused them to begin to scatter. That's why James addresses them as the 12 tribes in the dispersion. They'd become dispersed. He was referring to the Jewish people using a term which had come to be used of those who had been scattered outside of Palestine, living in the Gentile world. But note that he's not writing to Jews in general. He's not writing to all the Jews. He's writing in particular to Jewish believers. He's writing to them in particular because he wants to teach them this and he wants to encourage them this and give them the the word of God as God gives the word to him. Inspired by God, James pens these words which we hold in our hands this morning. And we can tell that these are believers to whom he is writing because he addresses the recipients as brothers, in other words, as fellow believers. In fact, these Jewish believers were looked on as the seed of the church, being scattered to the wind, being scattered abroad to be the seed of Christianity. Jewish Christians scattered throughout the world. Do you realize that believers today are like that? Believers today scattered throughout the world, the seed of Christianity, the seed of the church. Followers of Christ today are scattered about all over the world, and believers are the seed of Christianity, and living in the world as believers do, there will be trials that we face, just like there's a trial for the seed that gets placed in the ground. You know what I mean? A seed has to die before it can produce life. And we're like the seed of Christianity scattered about, and often we will face trials and difficulties But how do we deal with them? How do we handle them? James cuts right to the heart of the matter in dealing with the attitude of the the believer in the midst of trials. And this is his instruction. Again, verse 2, look at it. Count it all joy. Verse 2. James, don't you think you could have waited until verse 10? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy if you meet trials of various kinds, right? Does it say if? Count it all joy when you meet trials, says James. Not if, is it? God's word does not tell you, be of good courage if you face trials. (laughs) James doesn't tell us that. Count it all joy when you face trials. When you meet trials of various kinds, when they come, says James, not if they come, it's going to happen. You can count on it. He's not trying to discourage those believers to whom he's writing, and God's not trying to discourage you today. He's trying to encourage you and build you up and equip you. You'll see this. We heard Jesus warning his disciples in John 16 to expect tribulation. He was warning them, equipping them, preparing them. I trust that's why you're here today, so that you can be equipped and prepared to live the Christ-like life in the week ahead. Paul also warned believers in his writing in Acts chapter 14, listen to verse 22, saying, Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. 
But you and I, we'd like to think that we can live the Christian life trouble-free, right? Or is it just me? Wouldn't you like to live the, the life as a Christian? Wouldn't you like to live your life just completely trouble-free, without trials, without tribulation? We'd like to think that we can. And so, and the world we live in is very good about helping us. We try to make life as comfortable as possible for ourselves, right? We love things like like instant cocoa or instant coffee. Ew. No. We like microwaves, right, that, that warm things up quickly. We like to make things easier. We, we like cruise control when we drive places, right? We like tinted windows to keep the sun out of our eyes. We like things trouble-free and easy. And we laugh in our family because my older brother has been kind of um, careless with his cars. In the early years, he learned his lessons the hard way blowing two engines in one week because he didn't check or change his oil. He was thinking he was driving a no-maintenance vehicle, right? We'd like to have a no-maintenance vehicle. We'd like to have a life that requires no maintenance. We'd like to live life without any trials, without any troubles, with, with ease. We woke up Tuesday morning, and we didn't have power. I think we were the only ones in our neighborhood that didn't. It was quickly restored, but in a very short time uh, frame of time, we discover we like heat and we like running water and we like toilets that flush. Right? Why? Because we don't like to work. <laughs> we don't like trouble. We don't like to go to a lot of trouble in life. We want life to be easy. We don't want trials. And when James says in verse 2 of chapter 1, we say, wait a minute, James. Aren't you getting things backwards? Aren't you supposed to tell us how great life is and how good it's going to be for us as believers? And that's not, that's not God, and that's not his heart. He wants you to know the truth. And so God moves James to write these words, Count it all joy when, <laughs> count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. What's the proper attitude of the believer as the believer faces trials. James says, inspired by God, understand, the proper attitude is one of joy. When you fall into trials of various kinds, says James, the kind of attitude you should have is a joyful one. In the midst of your grief and trials, bring a joyful attitude, believer, says James. And note that he is not suggesting that we should be joyful for our trials. Don't misunderstand that. And that's not what I'm saying, that we need to thank God for our troubles. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for the trials you bring. Bring them you know, again and again and bring more and more because I'd like to be tried by you and, and weighed down and burdened and put in chains and such. It's not that we're thankful for the troubles, and James isn't suggesting that either. He says be joyful in trials, while God helps you through them. Bring joy. Bring a joyful attitude. Why? He's going to tell us why. In just a moment, we're going to look at three reasons that James gives us why we ought to have joy in the midst of our trials. James gives reasons. 
for having a joyful attitude when we fall into various trials. Don't you like to have reasons, you know, when somebody says, do this? Don't you always like to say, why? <laughs> well, God knows you ask why. We always want to know why. We look at our government and go, what in the world? Why <laughs> are you doing Right? We look around us and go, why do I have to do that? God knows you're asking why. James probably asked why. And God says, trials are good for you. This may actually be one of the hardest commands to obey as believers. Do you realize that? Joy in the midst of trials. Again, not for our trials, but in the midst of them. You realize how hard that is? We do know how hard that is, don't we? That's why James says, and he is saying it at the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, again, I remind you, this is God's word to us. God knows this is something we have trouble swallowing, joy, in the midst of trials and suffering. God knows we have troubles with this, and he also moves James to give us reasons for this joy in the midst of trials. And as believers, you can have the right attitude in trials if if you understand, if you believe God's reasons, I believe you can learn to have joy even in the midst of suffering, even through the tears of your sorrow. Here's the first reason James gives. And if you're taking notes, you can write this. Trials are a test of your faith. Well, duh. <laughs> Tell us something we don't know, right? But that's actually a good thing. And you need to see why that's good. Trials are a test of your faith. You can learn to have joy in the midst of trials because you know trials test your faith. But at that we say, thank you, Lord, but no thank you. I'll do just fine in my faith without trials. Right? Or is that just me? And the Lord says, no, you won't. Are we really willing to accept what the Lord says. The Lord says, no, you won't. You won't do okay without trials. Your faith will not be strong without trials. That's why James writes here in verses 2 and 3, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, and verse 3, for you know that the testing of your faith. You see, he points to trials as being a testing of our faith. James describes trials as those things which test our faith. So trials are the test of the believer's faith. Now, I never liked tests when I was in school. Did you like tests? If you say yes, you're sick, okay? <laughs> Don't you hate me for that? You, some of you said, yeah, I love tests. I know my wife loved tests. She just loved tests. And some of you may be like that. I hated tests in school. I hated tests. I felt like I had to memorize things and try to remember the answer, you know, the, that they were telling me I was going to be on the test. This is going to be on the test, isn't it? i got to remember this. Oh, no. And I struggled with tests. I hated tests. But you loved tests, didn't you? Why? Because you're perfect and you wanted everybody to know it with an A+. plus, Right? That's not the kind of test we're talking about. 
Those tests in school that you took, they kind of measured your ability to remember things. They measured your ability to, to learn and, and process information and repeat it back and, and answer those. You can tell I'm kind of rebelling against tests here, right? The testing of your faith is not like the tests that you took when you were a student in school. The testing of your faith is actually meant by God to produce something. God's testing of your faith, the testing of your faith is meant to produce something. And anything God intends to produce in us as his children is always good for us. Amen? It's hard to say amen to that, isn't it? (laughs) Anything God intends to produce in us is always good for us. It's always necessary. Otherwise, God would not waste your time. So when he brings this challenge to us that we're to bring joy to our trials, we can learn to bring joy to our trials because we can know that God is only about bringing about good in our lives as a result of what we will learn by strengthening our faith, by seeing our faith tested. As one commentator says, faith is like gold. It stands in the test of fire. You see, God is not about impeding your progress in the faith. And he's not about hindering your life and your joy in this life. No, on the contrary, God is about growing your faith. God is about strengthening you in your faith, proving your faith, encouraging you as your faith grows. So James starts by pointing to this fact the one, the one that seems obvious to us, but is actually an encouragement when we see it from God's perspective, that trials test and temper and grow your faith and prove your faith. And you can have joy in the midst of trials because you know the outcome is always, from God's perspective, the outcome is always for your good. God's intent is for the outcome of the trial and test of your faith to be something positive and encouraging and helpful to you. Not to harm you, not to destroy you, but for your ultimate good. James also tells you that you can have joy when you meet trials of various kinds because, here's number two, trials bring staying power to your faith. Note it. Trials bring staying power to your faith. Look at verse 3 again where James says, For you know that the testing of your faith, what? produces steadfastness. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Listen, a tested faith produces or or grows steadfastness and endurance or, as I said, staying power. You and I can be joyful in the midst of trials when we understand and know that God is all about producing staying power or perseverance in our faith. And if we were to reject God's work in us and say, God, I don't want the trials. Take them away so that I'm not tested and tried. We would, in fact, be shortchanged. Handicapped, as it were. God wants us to be strong in our faith. 
And He gives us what's necessary. He allows what's necessary and even brings trials at times to strengthen and deepen our faith. But attitude is everything. If you have the wrong attitude, you will hate your trials. You know what I mean? If you have the wrong attitude, you will hate your trials. You will despise them. You will try to cast them off and to run from them and be done with them. All the while, God is trying to work in your life. But if you will have the right attitude, you will learn how to thank God for them. I'm not suggesting that we will not suffer. I'm not suggesting that we will not grieve. I'm suggesting that through the grief we will see God's hand of provision and we will be be able to bring joy to our trials knowing that God is working and that we can look to God and say, thank you for that. I would have never asked for this. And it would be okay if you take this away. But thank you for trying me and testing me and deepening my walk with you and strengthening my faith. As Warren Wiersbe writes, Our values determine our evaluations. If we value comfort more than character, then trials will upset us. If we value the material and physical more than the spiritual, we will not be able to count it all joy. If we live only for the present and forget about the future, the trials will make us bitter, not better. And that's why James says here, count it all joy. Attitude is everything. Count it all joy, believer, when you, when your faith is tested. Don't allow yourself to become bitter because of trials. Let them make you better. That's God's intent. Bring the proper attitude to your trials and you will find God using them for your good. You may not see it very clearly at the time. Sometimes it's hard to see clearly through tears. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's hard to see clearly as you're suffering. That's why God wants us to be strong in our faith so that we might learn to trust Him more. As we face trials, we can trust that He is at work and that when we come out of the other side, we'll come out stronger and better and more Christ-like and with more godly attitude. Here's Paul's take on this subject of bringing gratitude to our trials instead of a grudge toward God. Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, in our sufferings. You hear that? Not without sufferings, in our sufferings we rejoice, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Beloved, do not resist trials. Do not resist trials. When they come, do not resent God for allowing them. Seek to be joyful in the midst of trials, even through tears, knowing that God is working in you to bring staying power to your faith. James also tells us, he tells you, tells me that 
that we can have joy when we meet trials of various kinds because trials bring maturity to your faith. That's number three. Trials bring maturity to your faith. They mature your faith. Look at verse 4. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You see, trials grow you as a believer, and steadfast faith, a faith with staying power, says James, makes one perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Or thought of another way, a faith with staying power brings spiritual maturity and spiritual fulfillment, something you cannot purchase in this world in which we live. It is a gift of God to those who are faithful to God. So James says that we must accept our trials with joy because even though they are something that we would by nature reject and never ask for, we accept them knowing they are for our good. And God is only about good for us. We accept our trials with joy knowing that God is at work in us and what God is about is bringing maturity in his children. You see, good parents don't want to see their children remain immature. Ask me. I'm not saying I'm a good parent, but I am saying I don't want my children to remain immature. Especially when you feed eight, you know, and they finally start moving away. It's like, finally. But then the little ones start getting bigger, and they make up for the two that are gone, and, they, and it's like our food bill is the same as it was when Kevin and Taylor were living at home. What's the deal with that? Try to close my jacket this morning. Listen, a good parent wants his child to be mature. And, and, and godly parents and, and good parents love their children enough to discipline them, to help them grow up and mature. Why? so that they don't always have to be dependent, and not for the jokes that we make about not wanting your children to be dependent upon you, but so that they can take care of themselves and live in this world and live productive lives and honor God. A good parent, good parents don't want their children to be spiritual runts either, you know? And I'll tell you, as hard as you and I try to be good parents, God will always have us topped. God is a far better parent than than you or I will ever be. He says God doesn't want his children to be ill-equipped and unable to live in this world as we as we await his return for us or the day he calls us to be with him in glory. We we aren't to be ill-equipped and he doesn't want us to be so we can learn to be joyful in the midst of trials because faith that is tried and, and comes out as gold brings perseverance. It brings maturity of faith. God is trying to grow you in your walk with him and grow you in your faith and strengthen you in your walk with him so that as you continue to face trials in this life, they don't wreck your world like they once did so that you are equipped and prepared and able to handle them and and with great faith and with confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ that He is working and with a strong testimony to the watching world 
You can learn to be joyful in the midst of trials, says James. Because faith that is tried and comes out as gold brings perseverance, brings maturity of faith. We can be joyful in trials because we can know those trials bring maturity of faith and strengthen us in our daily walk with Christ. I need daily strength. How about you? And God is about growing in us daily strength that we would every new day be strengthened in that day for the trials that we face. Attitude is everything. I would suggest that the question for us today is, will we bring resentment to our trials? Will we resent God? Will we rebel against God's testing of our faith? Will we try to throw off the trials and run with them and be run from them and be done with them? Rejecting God's wisdom, looking at our trials as only bad things and for no good purpose? Or will we trust in the providence and sovereignty and almighty wisdom of God? Will we accept the trials we face and will we do so with joy? Because we know and we are confident that God is at work in us knowing that all God does is intended for our good. And as we respond with joy, even in the midst of trials, it is for His glory that we make Him known. Our example is Christ. We look to Jesus, as Hebrews 12.2 reminds us. I read it earlier, right before we past the elements, the bread and the cup, and we reminded ourselves of what Jesus Christ endured on our behalf for our sins. Hebrews 12.2 reminds us of Jesus Christ, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. I am so thankful to God that He gave us His Son. I am so thankful to God that His Son willingly accepted the suffering that God intended for our good. That His Son gave Himself up to be the sacrifice for our sins. And that the Lord Jesus Christ did not reject and throw off the trials and the suffering that he faced. I am so thankful. Are you? Do you see in that the sovereignty of God, that God was at work in that? How tragic that Jesus Christ cruelly beaten and suffered and nailed to the tree to die. Sinless as he was. But for our sins. And Jesus did not reject that suffering. He did not reject that trial that took his life. Why? Because he knew it was for our good. Right? He knew. He knew it was for our good. 
he accepted them with joy, who for joy that was set before him endured the cross, knowing it was for our good. Do you see your trials that way? It's not easy, is it? That's why we have God's Word. That's why we have God's Spirit to strengthen us in our walk with Him, to deepen our faith. Because we look at our trials and we see only trouble. And God sees that which will temper and test and try us and bring us forth like gold with a deepened faith, with lives that shine for the Lord Jesus Christ because He's at work. And we can bring joy to our trials when we trust Him. When we trust Him.